Hey, Fellowship, good morning. Uh, I normally say good to see you. I can't see you. You can see me. Uh, but I did want to say hello. And um, honestly, I wish I could be there with you right now. It's funny in this COVID stuff, it's been, what, uh, two years, and I had not gotten COVID, not a single time. And just literally a week ago, I was telling somebody, man, I I don't know, I've never gotten it. And I, I know I've been around a bunch of people who had it. Maybe I've just had one of those uh, super immunity uh, systems. Well, I guess I have to say pride goes before the fall. Uh, but the good news is I'm feeling well. I have to isolate, have to quarantine, but overall I'm feeling really well, so I'm grateful for that. And I'm glad that I can do this recording uh, in, in this sense, be with you in a sense um, this morning. I'm recording this uh, Saturday evening, so I'm going to talk as if it's Sunday, but for me it's still Saturday. But I will say this, I'm planning to watch tomorrow. That's going to be strange to see myself, but I do want to watch mainly because today is mostly not about the teaching I'm going to give from here, from the screen. Today is mostly about what you all are going to be sharing. Uh, at the end of the service today, we're going to have a chance for you all to share together and uh, here's why this matters so much. You know, um, God speaks to us through his word. There's no question about that. But it definitely does not have to be a, a trained teacher for the spirit to speak through his word. Anytime his word is proclaimed, anytime we're in a community together, um, embodying and understanding and talking about and applying the word of God, he speaks through that. So he has a message that he wants to share with us this morning, not primarily through my words, but through our words as a community of faith. So in order to engage this with us this morning, in fact, you know, everybody in the room, even if you couldn't dream of sharing at the end of the service, uh, you still are gonna need three things. You're gonna need your Bible or your Philippians journal that we gave you at the start of the series. Uh, you're gonna need the card in your seat and you're gonna need a pen or a pencil. And uh, whether you share or not at the end, I wanna make sure everybody has those three things because at the end of today, you're gonna to have a takeaway. You're gonna have this you know, beautiful card. You know, the, the one side of it has our, our Philippians graphic and, and honestly, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, our, uh, Seth, our artist did a terrific job with that. It's something you probably wanna keep. And on the other side of that, it's gonna have some of your application of what God spoke to you and, and what he'll be speaking through you uh, through this book. So here's how it'll work. We've chosen one key passage from each of the four chapters of Philippians, um, there'll be four prompts on that card that you see in front of you. And I'll give you some time during this little uh, message to fill those out as we go. So let's jump in to our recap of the book of Philippians. Paul, as you remember, Paul's writing from prison and he's writing to what likely many people believe was his favorite church. You know, his uh, relational warmth toward these people just jumps off every single page of this letter. Uh, look how chapter one starts off. Just, just take a look at it. He greets them in the first two verses. In verse three, immediately he jumps into a prayer of thanksgiving. And then uh, in, in verses uh, verse six, he gives one of the most encouraging sentences of the New Testament. Let's take a look at that verse together. We'll put it on the screen as well. Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I love this verse because of how it speaks to the incompleteness that I know is inside of me, that I know is inside of, of, of all of us. And yet... 
it speaks with certain hope to what is still yet to come. I want you to do something in the room and I can't watch you right now, but remember, I'm going to be online with you watching this in real time as I do this. I want to invite you to raise your hand if there is something in your life right now that is unfinished. Right now, raise your hand if there's something in your life that's unfinished. Okay, look around the room for a second. I, I can't see you yet, but every hand is raised, right? Or you know, some of you may, may just uh, not be in the mood to play. But we all have things in our lives that are unfinished, unfinished projects, un, unfinished um, um, resolutions, unfinished goals, unfinished dreams. Uh, maybe there's a relationship in your life that just kind of feels unfinished. When I taught this passage back in the fall, I think this was at the, the end of August, early September, somewhere around there, uh, we were in the middle of an, of an unfinished attic attic uh, project. We'd finished some attic space that we'd started May of the previous year. Actually, right now I'm sitting in the attic space that we finished. Um, and I say it's finished. It took a long time, and there's still some things like furnishing-wise that were not yet there. But but we started this project in May, and they said, oh, it'll take you know four to six weeks or whatever. And uh, here I was at the end of August teaching this message and, and it was not painted, you know, there were no doors. We were in the messy middle of that project. And, and that was the illustration that we used. Some of you who are here may remember that. So on the stage this morning, you see a poster kind of a, a, with a frame around it, it says the messy middle. And, th and that's to remind us that Philippians 1 verse 6 has something powerful and important to tell us about the messy middle of our lives. I encourage you to think of it this way. Your life had a starting point when you were born and it will have an ending point, at least in terms of your physical life on this earth. It will have an ending point. Everything in between your birth date and your death date, everything in between is the messy middle. Now think about it this way. Um, our faith journey had a starting point for each of us and it will have an ending point when our faith is made sight, everything in the middle of our faith journey is the messy middle. There is nothing neat and clean and tidy about the walk of faith. There, there is nothing easy about growing to follow Jesus Christ. It's a journey of faith and we are in the messy middle. So in all kinds of areas of our lives, our marriages, our parenting, our jobs, our dreams, our careers, and our faith, we're in the messy middle until the day of Christ Jesus. But don't miss the hope of Philippians 1.6. I am certain of this, Paul says, that he who began the work, he is faithful and he will complete the work on the day of fullness, on the day of completion. That is coming. It is coming. So here's the prompt that I want you to fill out. Pull out your card and I'll give you 60 seconds here to write this in. Jesus, you have been blank in my messy middle. Now, you don't have to use just one word. You can use one word if you want or a phrase or, or, or multiple phrases, but whatever God would bring to your mind, Jesus, you have been blank in my messy middle. I'll give you about 60 seconds. Go ahead now.
All right. Let's look at chapter two. Chapter two of Philippians, we find, um, honestly, one of the most significant and beautiful theological passages about Jesus Christ anywhere in the Bible. And we're going to have a chance to revisit that this morning. Uh, Let's look together at Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. And tell you what, I'll start just with verses 5 to 8, and we'll pick up the last few verses in a couple minutes. Philippians 2, verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here's the profound thought from this passage. The most powerful being in the universe is also the most humble. I want you to think about that for just a minute. The most powerful being in the universe is also the most humble. When we taught this passage, uh, we gave you each a little sticker that had the word kenosis on it. Some of you remember that. It was about the size of an oil chain sticker. And, and we encourage you to take these kenosis stickers and put them in your car or on your fridge or a mirror or someplace where you'd see them. Maybe some of you still have those kenosis stickers in uh, places around your home. The word kenosis is a Greek word. And um, do you remember what it means? It means the emptying So it's the Greek word that Paul uses um, when he says Jesus emptied himself. In other words, God poured himself out. Now, you know, from his glorious uh, form, God in heaven, into a humble form, the the vessel of a servant. You know, think about a, a servant's bowl that Jesus used to wash his disciples' feet. God poured himself out into the vessel of a servant. Now, here's the thing that is truly remarkable. This act of God pouring himself out was not a departure from his true character. It was an expression of his true character. It was the way God showed us who he is at his core. And by that, I don't mean that God is as at, at his core a human, although certainly uh, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man, the humanity of Christ is essential. But what I mean by this, it showed us who God is at his core. I think about how Jesus describes his own core, his own heart. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Uh, that word, Lowly means humble. Jesus is saying, I am gentle and I am humble at the core of who I am in my heart. And that's the heart of God. The humility of Jesus Christ is profound. Now, the second illustration we used when we were studying uh, these passage, this passage here was that of a ladder. And you see a ladder on the stage here this morning. Uh, The passage continues in verses 9 to 11, and this is where we talked about the ladder. So let's look at at those verses together. Verse 9, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
because Jesus came down the ladder, so to speak, and, and lowered himself uh, as a servant of all, God the Father exalted him above all. And there is coming, this verse reminds us, a day when every knee will bow to the servant. Every tongue will confess that Jesus, the, the one who became a servant, the one who emptied himself, the one who, who, who emptied himself to save the world, that that one is Lord. And he's not just Lord over some, he is Lord over all. And so Paul is using this incredible picture of Jesus, you know, his humility, his, his coming down and then being exalted back up, you know, on the ladder. Paul is using this picture to teach the Philippians Christian, the Philippian Christians that the way up is actually the way down. That the path toward exaltation is the, actually the path of humility. And so, you know, don't miss how this, this whole kenosis passage starts in verse five. You don't, you don't have to put it on the screen, but maybe just look at in your book, verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So the command or the instruction for us is as followers of Jesus, since the spirit of the gentle and humbly, humble one is inside of us, that is how we should interact with each other. And that is how we should serve the world around us with the spirit of the gentle and humble one. So now take your card and your pen or pencil again. I'll give you a minute just to reflect on this. And here's the prompt to fill out Jesus. Your humility has shown me blank. Your humility has shown me blank. Take a minute right now to respond. Okay, in chapter three, uh, we get a warning from Paul to the Philippian church about those who might come in and, and try to water down the gospel of Jesus Christ by, by extra rule keeping, uh, by, by diluting the purity of the gospel with law. And Paul says, hey, I know all about this because I used to be the top law keeper around. You know, I was Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. And so in uh, verses four to six of chapter three, he sort of gives him a resume, so to speak, you know, naming all the religious things he did, all the righteous acts he did before he put his faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he was chasing. But then he gets to verse seven, okay? Let's look at verse seven and eight, because this is his sort of his conclusion of all this righteousness chasing. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain, that I may gain Christ. The English word rubbish is translating the Greek skubala. Uh, it is a word that could be used for garbage or trash, uh, but more specifically, it means excrement. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's just that. It, it's, it's, it's a gross word. Uh, uh, Lloyd's illustration when he taught this message uh, will probably always stay in our minds because it was kind of gross as well. Lloyd had a bag of his dog's poop that he brought up onto the stage with him. And it was real too. And in, in fact, we've got a bag of poop uh, with us on the screen. Not, well, not with me, with you. And this is the moment where I'm glad I'm not there because then I'd probably have to touch that bag or pick it up or something. Um, yeah, Lloyd does some illustrations every now and then that I would not do. This is one of those, but that's that's a different story. <laughs> okay, here's the, that was off script, um, by the way. Here's the idea. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Now, you know, what does that really mean and how does that relate to the, the, the bag of poop? Here's what I want you to think about. Anything you try to add to the work of Jesus to try to justify yourself is like you standing before God and saying, I'm really grateful for what Jesus did for me. And, and I, I brought a little something of my own extra to add to it. And then you hold up the bag. Now, this is a problem for us. Like each of us, all of us in our own way, tries to bring something to our relationship with God to, to justify ourselves, to sort of earn a right standing with God. And, and some of you think, well, no, I, I know that salvation is, is by grace alone through faith. And, and, and it is, and you're right, but I want to encourage you to think even a little more broadly than just your salvation. If you have ever felt unworthy to be with God or unworthy to receive God's love or approval, you're basing that sense of unworth on your work or lack thereof rather than on Jesus's worth, Jesus's work. If you've ever felt like, oh, I don't deserve the grace of God, what are you basing that off of? Not Jesus's work. On the other hand, if you've ever thought to yourself, I'm better than most, and although I don't deserve salvation, I, I think I, I kind of deserve God to, to be kind to me. You're basing that off of your work, not the work of Jesus Christ. When pain and suffering comes into your life, if you've ever thought, why me, God? I'm doing all the right things. I'm the church going guy. Have you, have you seen my neighbor who's living like heck and, and, and his life is going great? You're basing that sense of, of, of worth and what you deserve off of your work, not the work of Jesus. And so Paul gives us his resume, all these great things. And he says, you know what? None of that has any value. I will count that at all as a loss. It, it, it's like rubbish to me. It's like excrement compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Take out your card once again, and let's fill in the blank of this prompt. Jesus, I count my blank as loss for the sake of knowing you. 
maybe you'll write something down that that you tend to put some pride in or 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 one of your accomplishments or you know your acts of righteousness or maybe the spirit will lead you in a different direction but take a minute right now and let's fill in that blank together jesus i count my blank as a loss as loss for the sake of knowing you go ahead All right, let's move forward now to the last chapter of Philippians chapter four. And in chapter four, we get um, Paul talking about some of the most practical and, and relevant topics in any of his letters. The part of chapter four that really hit home for me was when Paul wrote about anxiety. And so let's take a look, Philippians chapter four, verses four to seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The last illustration we want to talk about this morning are the black balloons on the stage. Um, I used these black balloons when I, I taught this passage uh, uh, several weeks ago. Now, some of you may be thinking, I don't remember the black balloons. Well, that was the week that we were online because of the snow. And so um, if you didn't tune in, you wouldn't have seen, seen the balloons. So let me just explain uh, what these were. Our anxiety feels to us like uh, uh, dark storm clouds constantly hovering over our head. And that's what those black balloons represent, your worries, your anxieties. Now, if you can picture yourself holding on to that bunch of balloons, you know, everywhere you go, they're right there. You know, they're right above you. You go to a party, you might have fun, but but that anxiety is ever present. You, know, you go to work, it's there. You go home, it's there. You know, watching the Super Bowl, you know, tonight, it's still, those black balloons are, are, are there. No matter where we turn, they're, they're always following us. We worry about all kinds of things, um, our health, our children, our money, uh, relationships, jobs, our appearance, past mistakes, conflict, um, aging, uh, our marriages, our diet, you know, the list goes on and on. This is one of the most significant passages in the scripture about worrying and anxiety. And the key to this passage is the five-word phrase right at the end of verse five. And if you'll put that back on the screen, let's look at it together. The five-word phrase right at the tail end of verse five, the Lord is at hand. 
look at how this passage reads. There's sort of an assumed therefore in, in, in between. So, so here's how you can read it. The Lord is at hand. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. Here's where Paul's going with this. If God is for you and he is with you, and if he is coming back to make all things right, what are we afraid of? Now, that's not to diminish the the very real troubles we have. That's not to diminish the fact that life is full of real heartache and real danger and real pain. But what Paul is trying to do here is call us to real faith. The step of faith that for many of us we need to take, maybe even this morning, is to let go of our grip on those black balloons. Now, you might be saying, well, what are you talking about, Rob? I don't want these anxieties. I've been trying to, to, to let them go. Letting go of a fear is not as easy as it sounds. Because to let go of anything means you no longer have a say in it. Once you let go, anything could happen. You've given up the right to control. That's what letting go entails. Now, notice what Paul is doing here. He's calling us to genuine prayer. Like he, he goes on to say, make your request known to God. When you think about it, genuine prayer is an act of surrender. Let me say that again. Genuine prayer is an act of surrender. Here's what that means. If you believe God is who he says he is, then making your requests known to him is the same thing as surrendering them to him, as letting them go. In other words, when when you pray genuinely to to God that you truly believe in and that you believe is is all-powerful and all-loving, then you're saying, God, I, I, I leave these anxieties in your hands because I believe that whatever you have for me is good. So if the anxiety and fear, if those things come true, ultimately I believe you're good and you only have good for me. And then according to Paul, when we're able to let go of control, when we're able to surrender to a God we know and a God we trust, a God who is with us, a God who is at hand, then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Take out your card one more time and fill in the blank with this prompt. Jesus, your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of blank. Your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of blank. Go ahead and take a minute to do that now.
Okay. I'm going to wrap up with this and then I'm going to turn it over to Eric. And, and in a moment, Eric's going to lead us through the sharing portion of the service. Uh, but I want to close my time with these verses from Philippians 4, 21 to 23. These are the very last verses of the letter. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. That's exactly what we're going to do right now. We're going to greet each other. We're going to share what God is doing. And, and Eric's going to walk you through how that will take place. But I'm going to be with you from home. I'm going to be watching. I can't wait to hear what you all will share, what the Spirit has been speaking to you and what he's been doing in your heart over the last number of months in this book. I'll close with the closing words of Paul from the letter to Philippians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Eric Hoffman, one of the executive pastors here. And um, that's not typical that we you know, watching a video the whole time, but grateful for the technology that allowed Rob to, to be in here. When he, when he told me he had COVID this week, I thought he was calling me to tell me I'll be speaking this Sunday, but I'm grateful for technology to do that. And I, and I told him, you know, hey, if your bucket list was that your giant head would be 25 by 25 on a screen, <laughs> go ahead and check that off. Um, and I texted him, I said, hey, glad that you uh, trimmed your nose hairs or else we've all been really distracted the whole service. So um, we're super grateful to be wrapping up Philippians with you. And uh, on, on your card, here's what we're gonna do. And we're gonna, we're gonna share. And here's, how, here's what I want you to share. We're gonna uh, have this prompt as you kind of walk through. But I want you to start and greet um, the church as, as, as Paul instructs, instruct, he greets and says, my name is, and then I greet you in Christ Jesus. So that's what we're gonna follow as we walk through this. But one of the, I just want to highlight two reasons of why we share as a, as a body of, of faith is we, we share because we're magnifying Christ of what Christ has done in us. And that's the first song we sang. But then we're also encouraging one another as a family of faith. So we share because we get to, to d display and encourage somebody else through what God is doing uh, in us. And so uh, as I'm sharing mine, I'm gonna just kind of walk through. You can read just one of these. It doesn't. You don't have to go through the whole list. You can read just one, or you can read all of them. Um, it's it's up to you to do that. So I know like some are gonna resonate uh, more with you, and one to so share that one and just and be able to talk about that. But as I'm as I'm sharing mine, I would I would love for you guys. We have two mics up here. We'd love for you guys just to just to come up and and if somebody's already had a mic, just come stand behind them, and then you would be you would be next. So I'm going to start and you can, you can kind of come up and we'll, we'll do that as well. My name is Eric and I greet you in Christ Jesus. Jesus, you have been steadfast and faithfully gracious in my messy middle. Jesus, your humility has shown me how to serve others with my life, offering even my wounds to others to show a path to healing. And Jesus, I count my future plans for success as a loss for your sake of knowing you. Jesus, your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of my fears and parenting. So I'd love for you uh, to come up and share with us as a body. Yeah, thank you.
My name is Megan, and I greet you in Christ Jesus. Jesus, you have been healing my heart in my messy middle. Jesus, your humility has shown me your deep and unconditional love for me and those around me. Jesus, I count my pride as in the older brother in the prodigal son's story as lost for the sake of knowing you. Jesus, your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of constant dysfunction. Thank you, babe. Yeah, come on. I can lower it down for you, sorry. (laughs) There's a really tall guy in first service, so there you go. It's okay. I know the struggle, but like that. My name is Colleen, and I greet you in Christ Jesus. Jesus, you have been meticulously present in my messy middle. Jesus, your humility has shown me that your gentleness and patience are true, pure in nature, and always without end. Jesus, I count my gifts and abilities and works um, as loss for the sake of knowing you. And Jesus, your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of my anxieties of letting go of what I am and am not capable of. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, you can go this one, I think. My name is Phyllis Peacock, and I greet you in Jesus Christ. Jesus, you have been my comfort and strength in my messy middle. Jesus, your humility has shown me how to live contently and victoriously. Mm. Jesus, I count my sometimes unbelief and martyrdom leaning on self as loss for the sake of knowing you. Mm. Jesus, your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of the unknown. Thank you. I'll get lower. Yeah, just squat down. Um, My name's Chris, and I greet you in Christ Jesus. Jesus has been faithful in my messy middle. Jesus, your humility has shown me that I'm full of pride. That's a tough one. Jesus, I count my worldly success and approval from others as loss for the sake of knowing you. Jesus, your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of fractured relationships. Hmm. Thanks, Chris. And again, you don't have to read all of them. If you want to just come up and read one, you can. My name is Amanda Ray, and I greet you in Christ Jesus. Jesus, you have been ever, been ever present in my messy middle. Jesus, your hum- humility has shown me the absurdity of my own pride and self-righteousness. Jesus, I count all my good deeds as loss for the sake of knowing you. Mm-hmm. Jesus, your peace is guarding my heart in the midst of countless uncertainties. Thank you. Anybody else? 
All right, if you would, I would uh, love to lead you uh, to the Lord's table this morning before we continue in worship. One of the things I've been thinking about as we were wrapping up um, the book of Philippians is, is in Philippians 2, when it talks about Jesus as humbled himself in the servant and obedient even to the cross. And I was reminded that um, at the end of, of the Gospels and the beginning of Acts, when he is interacting with Thomas and he's in his resurrected body and he shows Thomas his, his wounds. And so even in his resurrected body, he still had his wounds visible. I was reminded of the, how, how by his wounds, that, it, that is healing us. Right? And that's why he shows us his wounds, that is through his woundingness that we are actually made whole and restored to God. And one of the things I was thinking about, just even in my own story, is that that's how the gospel works, is that Jesus offers us his wounds, and then as we bring our wounds to him, he heals them so that we may come to others to be able to show, we have a wounded Savior who has healed me and I wanna show you what that looks like and to be able to offer our wounds to one another. And that is the, the, the story of faith and redemption that God takes the darkest moments of our story, the darkest moments of human history and turns it to redemption so that others may be healed through our, the wounds of our savior that we model to the world. And so we come to the table and we, we take this bread and we remember that it is his body broken his wounds for us that we are healed and restored to so take and eat in remembrance. And in the same way, his blood shed for us, his perfect sacrifice, living a life that we could not live on our behalf, paying the debt that we owe so that we may be restored and reconciled to our father. He is our wounded savior. Take and drink. Would you stand with me as we continue in worship? Father, we come as your, as your people, redeemed and restored through your wounds. And we are reminded of your promises that what you began in us, you will continue to see until the day we come face to face with you and that you supply all that we need to know and become like your son, Jesus, that you are Jireh, you are our provider. And so Father, as we sing and worship together as a family of faith, would we remember together who you are,